It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. This episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. You can currently get $10 off of Built Bars on your next purchase when you use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode gets into the first day of padded practices, James, and we're going to start the show by giving the good people a quick rundown of the major news and notes from the day, including some injury updates and who's lining up with the first team at some positions that we're watching. After that, we'll get into the analysis. We'll break it all down. We'll talk about the noteworthy things that Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow had to say in their press conferences after practice. There's just a whole lot to talk about now with media at padded practices, actual football happening. And let's get started with the major news and notes from today's practice. Starting with some injury updates today, the most prominent new injury note is that A.J. Green did not practice and will not be participating in the team's first scrimmage on Friday. The second most important note today is that for a second day in a row, a Bengals player was carted off the field as Sean Williams was forced to leave practice with an injury not as severe from initial reports as what happened yesterday to Rennell Wren, but still, you never like to see the cart come into play two days in a row. It's awful. It's awful, especially you're talking about a a revamped defense, this defense that's supposed to have depth in the trenches and depth in the secondary. Sean Williams is almost considered a luxury. And, and, you know, if he's out long term, Jake, yeah, you have Von Bell and Jesse Bates. But who's your third? Is it is it Brandon Wilson? Is it Trayvon Henderson? Do you need to bring someone in? So it's uh, it's a, a tough time right now. And hopefully Sean Williams is okay. Hopefully that was a precautionary ride on the cart. And he doesn't have to miss an extended time. As far as Rennell Wren goes, obviously he went down and carted off the field on Monday. Doesn't sound good. You know, they're awaiting MRI results, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a, a really severe injury given how everyone that was close to Rennell Wren, every player on the field reacted when he went down on Monday. We will hope for the best for Rennell Wren, obviously, and for Sean Williams because those guys could have both been and could still be important rotational pieces for this defense and that would be Sean Williams role this year you make a great point who's the next guy up because Sean Williams was going to be a fantastic depth piece for the safety room now we'll have to wait and find out what his future will be this season hopefully it's not too serious on the other hand AJ Green and T Higgins both dealing with some hamstring tightness neither of them are expected to be serious injuries with T. Higgins participating in the wide receiver position drills portion of practice today as the Bengals ease him back in. 
And A.J. Green, it sounds like, according to Zach Taylor, hey, I've seen him practice twice. I've seen everything I need to see. We can get him to the regular season. And that's certainly the goal at this point. He won't be participating in the scrimmage on Friday. At the same time, I agree with Dave Lapham, who said that it would be good for A.J. to have a chance to play in a simulated game situation with Joe Burrow. Absolutely it would. And that, that's something that I talked about when the, the, the preseason happened and preseason got canceled. I was like, look, A.J. hasn't played a game since the middle of the 2018 season. I covered A.J. Green's last game as a member you know, on the field with the Bengals, the last one that he played in. Think about that. That you know, I went to Cleveland and back in that time, Jake. Uh, you know, professionally. So it's uh, to me, it would be important. And if he could get out there, and it, it doesn't mean he's got to play twenty-five snaps, six snaps, two targets, a catch or two, just to get you know a little rapport with Burrow, so they can work out the kinks just a little bit in a, in a game-like situation. You're not going to get preseason, so having him on the field for next week's scrimmage, assuming that's the last one. Uh, I, I think that's uh, a realistic goal and something that the, the Bengals should should strive for. It would be good to get him out there, absolutely, for a minimal amount of snaps. He's going to get hit at some point. That is how football works. You can't protect the guy forever. Yeah, you would ideally limit his contact in practices just the same way. You don't want to see Joe Burrow getting hit in practices. But he's going to have to stand up to NFL contact at some point and I don't think that you can protect him forever. Now, on the other hand, this is providing an opportunity for guys like Mike Thomas, who's a name that we continue to hear. And today with A.J. Green also not participating in any 11-on-11s or 7-on-7s, it was Auden Tate, the other guy that stepped up with the number ones, although Zach Taylor was quick to caution and say, we think that we have a lot of receivers that could step up in those roles. I don't see it as ones and twos right now. Now, I do think that's some coach speak as well. So the the starters today were Mike Thomas, Tyler Boyd in the slot, Auden Tate on the other side. So that would be the three guys that seem to be the next guys up on the depth chart. And that makes sense. Mike Thomas has looked good. He's been one of the I, – I don't want to call him a surprise, but I think you have to. One of the surprises so far at this camp, one, his role was surprising. And two, it looks like he deserves the role he's been given thus far, given who's out. He caught a touchdown from Joe Burrow uh, in seven-on-seven red zone on Tuesday. Uh, And the only other receiver that did that was Tyler Boyd, who caught a couple. So I think it's pretty telling that Mike Thomas is out there, and it's worth watching moving forward. And I think it's exactly worth watching because what about Alex Erickson? This is going to be a position battle now that Mike Thomas has inserted himself right into the mix for wide receivers. So what does Erickson do that Thomas doesn't do while he returns kicks? Outside of that, they both play wide receiver. They both play on the coverage part of special teams. So the the big differentiator here is, do the Bengals have enough kick returners, punt returners, that they feel confident in, especially if Darius Phillips has to play cornerback number one or number two snaps, that Alex Erickson becomes releasable? This is a guy that they just extended not too long ago. They gave him a multi-year deal, and now he finds himself apparently fighting for a roster spot. It is funny because they, you're right. They just signed him, it felt like, to an extension. But that extension back in 2018 is up at the end of this season. So they could release Erickson, um, hypothetically, right, for a, a really low dead cap number. It would be under $200,000, $167,000, according to Over the Cap. And they would save nearly $2 million in cap space by moving on from him. So 
I could see it happening at the same time. Alex Erickson is valuable. It wasn't long ago where I remember Bengals fans clamoring for Alex Erickson saying, keep Erickson. Don't get rid of him. Get rid of Brandon Tate. And now that, uh, you, you know, it, it could be the other way. Uh, I, and I, I do wish this. I wish we would have had preseason games because these are the type of battles, and we'll still get scrimmages, but these are the type of battles that can get settled when the lights are on and you're going up against not your teammate but an opponent. What would the saying be? You're either cut a good man or you stay on the team long enough to become Brandon Tate, something like that. Is that coming up next? We get into some analysis from today's training camp that James got to witness in person, a red zone day as the team tries to stay healthy. It's working to some degree. We're limiting soft tissue injuries. As far as we can tell in Paul Brown stadium or just outside that's coming up next. James, let's talk about your favorite protein bar as we all try to forget about my terrible attempt at Batman humor. And Bilt Bar has six new flavors. How excited are you to try a cookies and cream Bilt Bar? Or maybe if you're a fruit guy or a fruit girl, an apple almond crisp protein bar that hits your macros just right. I want the cookies and cream right now. Can't wait to try it. I just ordered uh, multiple boxes a a few weeks ago. Cookies and cream will be next on that list. Look, Built Bar has something for everybody. So if you're Alex Erickson and you need to make the Bengals roster, you should probably order some Built Bars. It's going to help you make the team because it has everything you need, the protein you need, low sugar. Uh, If you're monitoring your calories, you can hit that too. And you're not sacrificing taste with Built Bar. That's the best part about it. They taste great. So go to BuiltBar.com. Order a box, try them for yourself. You can thank us later and then use promo code locked on when you do, and you'll get $10 off your next order. So don't delay. Go to builtbar.com today. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked on Bengals as we dive into padded practice on Tuesday. The Bengals' first one of the year Plenty of details to discuss. Let's start with number nine. Joe Burrow went through red zone drills for the first time, seven on seven, 11 on 11, was wearing shoulder pads probably for the first time since the national title game against Clemson and that win for LSU. Anyways, there was some ups. There were some downs. It also rained. Uh, but uh, to me, my, my biggest takeaway w- with Joe is that he's human and that he's still learning. And and that's the thing that I, I kind of want to remind everybody about. It, it, not that he was awful on Tuesday or anything like that. And if he was awful, I would say it because he wasn't. There were plenty of good moments. Heck, I posted one on Twitter where he he's going through this one drill and, and he ends up rolling out and throws on the run and it's a strike and it's a, a unique play. And it, he certainly looked the part again on Tuesday, much like Monday. But there were some batted balls. You know, he fumbled a snap. Uh, one of it, he had an interception that was a, a batted ball up into the air. Sam Hubbard batted it, and, and Carlos Dunlap came down with it. So 
look, there were some some issues. Part of that's probably the offensive line and, and the defensive lineman being in his face and stuff like that. And, and then part of it is him adjusting to, to life in the NFL in the red zone. And, and the thing that I liked most, Jake, is when the, all of the dust was settled, Joe was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot I'm going to be able to learn from today. And I'll be better next time we do red zone. And I think for a guy that is that confident and has had that much success, for him to not get two down when he doesn't have a day by his standards. And again, his standards are extremely high. Uh, I I think that's a a good mindset to have. Yeah, I had a few takeaways that are, are more or less along those same lines. Yeah, he had some ups and downs. He threw the interception. Hat tip, by the way, Jay Morrison. Had the uh, the right day, he said Tuesday or Thursday, Joe Burrow's first interception to camp will come as soon as the pads come on. And uh, that, that turned out to be right. Not necessarily the way that Jay thought it was going to happen. He thought Burrow might try to force a ball into a window to see if he could still do it at NFL speed the, the way that he could in college. But instead, it comes on a batted ball. But But my takeaways are, in Joe Burrow's press conference, he said he wasn't sure really what to expect from his first red zone day of practice in the NFL because he got different looks today than he's seen for outside of the red zone purposes. And so for him, he, he got to see some new things. He talked about how the red zone is restricted. There's different route combinations that you're running down there that, that you take away the back line and, and the field gets compressed. And so the defenses sit on routes a little bit more. And so for him, it was a great learning experience in all of those regards, his first padded practice, his first red zone day. And I think that that tells us that he's going to learn from the mistakes. He's going to go look at the tape and see what was there that I missed. What, what did I force that I shouldn't have forced? The other thing that I thought was really interesting while we're on the topic of the fact that it was a red zone day is that, he and Zach Taylor both kind of say the same thing. Yeah, it's our first day of padded practice. There's often a lot of injuries on this day. So instead of running the full length of the field, we compress things. So you're not exposing players to to injuries necessarily as much as you would on a day when the field is wide open. So I thought that was pretty smart planning and it, it kind of fits in with yesterday, what we talked about with they haven't taken deep shots yet as they kind of build up the fitness to get to that point. It made a lot of sense, especially already shorthanded at wide receiver. And that's the other part here is it's like, hey, Joe, first padded practice, you're throwing to Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate and Mike Thomas. Well, that's not the vision that this team had when they drafted T. Higgins in the second round, franchise tagged A.J. Green and obviously held on to John Ross this offseason. And and so when those guys are not there, it makes it a bit harder. So this could ultimately be a blessing for Joe, because if you're working with and this isn't a knock on Tate or Michael Thomas, but if you're working with those guys and Tate gets replaced by a healthy A.J. Green and John Ross, the fastest man in football, gets in the mix and T. Higgins is suddenly out there, well, now all of a sudden it, it may feel a little easier, right? And, and it'd be like, oh, look at what I'm throwing to. Um, but but overall, he still has some things to learn. But to me, do we think he has the physical skill set that to have success in the NFL. Yes. All right. So that, then it's going to come down to his mentality. And when you're talking about a star like Joe Burrow, where things, anything about him can blow up at any moment. I mean, this is the biggest star the Bengals have had in, in, in the social media era. I mean, Chad left when Twitter started to, to get big. I guess Facebook was sort of big by then. But uh, really, the, the first star the Bengals have had in the social media era and he needs to be thick skinned. And I think he is. And I don't think he gets this is cliche, but he doesn't get too high or too low. Um, and he admitted on Tuesday, he was like, look, I, I've had a couple of really good days of practice referring to Sunday and Monday. He 
was like, I'm going to get better at this red zone stuff and, and we'll move forward. So I, I feel good. Again, Joe Burrow continues to say all of the right things and not only say them, but do them behind closed doors, which is why he was successful, why he was the number one pick and why the Bengals think he can be uh, really, really successful in Cincinnati. And it's also why he's not nervous going into the week one game. I think everybody on social media saw this. He was asked, are you more nervous or excited? And he said, excited. He said, and he was asked as a follow-up, are you surprised by that? He said, no, if you've ever, have you ever heard of me being nervous? And, and so Joe Burrow, unflappable. The, the other thing that is a, a good transition here is he said he wants to be best friends, best friends with his offensive line. He's going to get him nice Christmas presents or whatever. And I, I mean, it'd be nice if the offensive line maybe gave him a present back of some good protection. You still have uh, Bobby Hart and Xavier Sufilo working with the ones today. And it sounds like just as we've seen for the last three training camps with Bobby Hart, he's out there getting whipped by Carl Lawson. And Joe Burrow was dealing with a little bit more pressure today than he has with, with the pads coming on, as, as you might expect. It was very scary during the, the live portion of practice. There were multiple times where Joe Burrow was pressured. And again, he doesn't get hit. We know that. But he was pressured where he would have been sacked, where he's running out. And I saw that way too many times with Andy Dalton in 2016, 2017, and 2018. And in this offensive line... That's when they got bad, 2016. And guess what? That's when the record cratered. So they don't need to be great. They need to be competent. And I'm going to hammer that word home because that's what they need to be. And at times, they look good. I'm going to go with a positive here. Jonah Williams, especially in one-on-ones, looked pretty damn good. Looked good against Sam Hubbard. Looked good against some of the the, the other guys. But Bobby Hart's concerning some. Uh, the other thing I noticed, Michael Jordan's length in, in one-on-ones, it, it definitely helped uh, against some of those defensive tackles like Geno Atkins. But, uh, you, you know, this unit's going to have to come together. They're not going to be even close to the most talented offensive line in the league. But can they be decent? I hope so. And, and there's certainly some concerns after Tuesday. It's just one day, though, so I don't want to, just like we said on Monday show, I don't want to fly off the, the radar here. Just one day. But uh, certainly uh, at least a little concerning after Tuesday's padded practice. Yeah, I mean, if we wanted to overreact, the, the player, the, the camp MVP right now would be Mike Thomas or, or maybe Carlos Dunlap after he had two interceptions today. Joe Burrow, we, we'd be thinking, man, this guy is not going to be able to hack it in the red zone. But between the 20s, he'll be fine. But luckily, that's not how you draw conclusions from training camp. Say it with me, Bengals fans. Don't draw conclusions from one day of camp. A lot more to get to, James, and our observations. We haven't really talked about the defense at all. I think that my mention of Carlos Dunlap's two interceptions today is the first time I've mentioned any defensive players. I, I guess I talked about Carl Lawson beating up on Bobby Hart earlier, but let's get into the defense a little bit more as we wrap up our observations of day two coming up next. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We've talked plenty about the offense on today's pod. Let's switch gears 
and discuss the defense. And obviously they've had some injuries on that side of things, Jake. But overall, to me, I, I still think, even though Rennell Wren went down, this defensive line is going to kind of have to carry the team at times, not just the defense, but the team at times. Because when I, I look at this unit overall, it has the, the most high-end talent of any of the position groups, I think. And, and you could argue wide receiver, I guess. But to me, it's the defensive line. And you saw it again. Look, if there are flashbacks to 2016 through 2018 where the offensive line's getting beat up, part of that is because Geno Atkins is really good. Um, and so I'm not falling for that. But maybe Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, and these guys will be pretty good in the trenches. It's it's going to be an interesting thing to watch early in the season because – I think that at this point with the Bengals, it's impossible to tell just because we've had all these years in a row where the defensive line has been so dominant. And then they're, they're very good players, but then the game scripts go haywire and, and they don't ever get to really pass rush. And that's the thing that, that that's why the pass rush is, is a limited thing in the NFL is it's important, but it's much more important when you're ahead in games. And if the Bengals aren't getting ahead in games or at least playing in close games, well, then you're on your heels a little bit. You don't get to pin your ears back and go after the passer, even though the trends continue to go toward running the ball less, passing the ball more. That's why you need to build the rest of this defense, which the Bengals have, have tried to do. Interesting note on Geno Atkins, since you mentioned him being really good. I saw a report that he got pancaked by Mike Jordan today. And then in their next one-on-one, Geno Atkins did win it. But I don't know what that says more about, if it's Geno or Mike Jordan. For now, I think I'm going to take the optimistic view and say Mike Jordan has taken a step forward because even if Geno has taken a step back, for Mike Jordan to put him on his butt, uh, I think that's probably a pretty good sign for the second-year offensive lineman. On the other hand, you've got guys like Carlos Dunlap coming up with two interceptions, one of which, when he dropped into coverage, Ryan Finley throws right at him par for the course for Ryan Finley, the other of which comes off a Sam Hubbard tip pass from Joe Burrow for Joe Burrow's first interception that media has seen in camp. So the defensive line on the whole today, combined with Carl Lawson having a good day, as you said earlier, having a pretty good day. Yep, and they should. I, I, I certainly expected the defense to win early on in camp, especially now that three of the main offensive weapons are out. That does matter. And as far as Michael Jordan goes, I think the one thing that is really apparent, and I got to watch him up close, about as close as you can get at training camp 2020, up close in one-on-ones against Geno Atkins, against some of these other interior defensive linemen. And the length was obvious. I mean, he's got such a physical edge over some of these other guys. And it's going to be about fundamentals because – he held his own against Gino in the couple of reps I saw in the one-on-ones. But there were times, and I forget who he was going against, but it certainly wasn't Gino Atkins. And I, I know he went against Andrew Brown a couple times as well, along with Kendall Futrell and Trey Deshaun, you know, two undrafted guys that, that are on that uh, interior of the defensive line. And, and you, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much he can develop and how much he can get out of these practices because – you could see, to me, and I'm no offensive line expert, but you could see Michael Jordan's physical tools. And can that translate into not only against guys like Andrew Brown, but against the Geno Atkinses of the world and the guys that you're going to see in this AFC North? I will say, for Andrew Brown's credit, I think that he should have always been an interior player, so I'm very excited for him to get his chance. And it's kind of forced to 
to be a three tech, to be a pass rushing defensive lineman for this defense. And I think that where he really challenges offensive linemen is he's his get off. He has great snap anticipation, a pretty good first step. The, the problem has been for him, especially on the edge, is he doesn't really have well-developed counter moves. And if he got stonewalled at his first step, or if the guy kept up with him, he ended up on the ground a little bit too often on the edge. So we'll see how that translates inside. Maybe he'll have better success with flexibility limitations with that first step against interior offensive linemen. And so that is something that I am very keen to see how that develops. And, and really, it is a necessity because DJ Vitor, Geno Atkins, Mike Daniels, the only other guy currently on the roster at interior defensive line with Rennell Ren Hurt is Trey Deshaun. So that forces Andrew Brown inside. And he played well during a one on a, an 11 on 11 snap. He was able to shut a block and I, I could not tell who was blocking him and tackled Travion Williams in the open field. And he has one arm on the uh, whoever was trying to block him and, and did not ha- have a lot of success. And the other arm took down Williams. So I, look, he, he's got potential and you, th- this is the time if you're Andrew Brown, Thursday's practice and then Friday's scrimmage. That's how you could kind of cement it. Because if I'm the Bengals, I'm not running out and grabbing someone. I'm going to watch him, watch these other guys, see what you have, and then evaluate it. And the next few days, I think, are going to be huge when it comes to that defensive line and potentially even the the secondary, depending on what happens at corner and safety. I think it's time for a Damata Pecco level signing at this point, just for the depth, because they're sorely lacking there even if Andrew Brown does play inside and I think that this you talk about cementing himself I would say that he's nearly a roster lock right now unless one of these college free agents really impresses in a way that we don't anticipate because he's the only guy that they have right now that has any experience playing inside maybe maybe Imani Bledsoe they see as a five tech as well who they just signed from the Tennessee practice squad but again, that's another that's another college free agent who came into the league and spent a year on a practice squad. So not a whole lot going on behind those first three guys inside if Andrew Brown doesn't take a little bit of a step and show that he can play there. How about the linebackers, though? More praise from Dave Latham today for Jordan Evans saying he's rocked up his body. We're hearing from Zach Taylor and from Horton Lapham that they're doing a lot of rotation of these linebackers trying to figure out who's going to do what role and where. Sounds like they have a lot of interchangeable parts, especially with the first four guys, five guys, maybe Jermaine Pratt, Jordan Evans, Josh Bynes, Logan Wilson, and a team Akeem Davis Gaither. Not surprising. We talked about Evans and, and the shape he got in uh, this offseason, heck, like a month ago, right? Or three weeks ago. And it's uh, it's exactly what he needed to do uh, to, to have a shot here in this suddenly crowded, young, athletic linebacking room. That was the exact opposite of that just, uh, you know, six, eight months ago. And and you're right. It's going to be tough here. If you're the coaches, you're evaluating based on less than 14 padded practices because Zach Taylor basically came out and said that they're not going to have that many, including a couple scrimmages. That is a lot. That's a lot of uh, evaluation. And and think about all the other guys. Austin Calitro uh, or Calitro, I think is how you say his name, uh, is fighting there and and at least fighting for a practice squad job potentially marcus bailey a guy who's fighting to make it do you 
stash one or two of those guys on the practice squad and just keep the five guys that you named. I mean, they're going to have to make decisions like that and, and run it. R- roster maneuverability here is key. Um, it, the good news is, is at least you can maybe hide one of these guys. You know, if, if there's tape on Jordan Evans, but there isn't much tape on, on Mark, there's zero tape on Marcus Bailey in the NFL, not a ton of tape on Austin Calitro or Calitro. I keep butchering that name. So uh, e- either one of those guys uh, is a potential practice squad candidate as long as they feel good about the, the five guys that you named. I would absolutely try to just only roster those first five guys, barring injury. I mean, there's going to be two linebackers on the field at most for this team, no matter what. I don't see a reason to keep six guys at linebacker unless one of them is really, really blowing you away in special teams. Marcus Bailey, Marcel Spears, Austin Calitro, and Brady Sheldon. All of those guys can can fight it out for the practice squad. Everybody wants to see Marcus Bailey make it. I think Marcus Bailey has a lot to prove. And, and we'll see how he plays in the scrimmage, see where he's getting snaps, and, and make it an evaluation from there. Last note on the defense, again, today we're seeing more Darius Phillips where Trey Wayne's lined up, and Zach Taylor talked about him. He was really good on the field, obviously, in his opportunities last year. Needs to be more consistent. That's all in line with things that we've said about Darius Phillips going back to, to last December, last January. And so we'll see how that continues to play out. But it sounds like Darius Phillips remains a favorite. And this goes back to that Erickson conversation we had at the top of the show. Remember, if Darius Phillips needs to be a guy that they need to rely on to return punts, and, and I think that Zach Taylor's asked about this, that might make things a little murky for making decisions for Erickson as well. It absolutely would. And it ties together because if Darius Phillips is going to be out there getting CB2, snaps well guess what he's not gonna be able to return every punt and it's just it's it's a lot to ask for and, and you we remember pac-man jones and how he did it yeah. sparingly yeah. when he was on the field on defense as much as he was i think it's uh we, we talk so much and i've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast how important it's going to be for joe bro to have these receivers well how important is it going to be for a guy like darius phillips to go up against aj green in a game setting or go up against uh, a guy that's like a John point. Ross or T Higgins, you know, yeah. I mean, that that's extremely valuable for him as he prepares to potentially go up again. I mean, think about the guys he's going to have to go up against week one against the Chargers. I mean, you're talking Keenan Allen. You're mm-hmm. talking a big bodied wide receiver and Mike Williams, uh, you know, Hunter Henry, the tight end there. I mean, they have weapons. Uh, so if you can get him some reps against some of these guys, I, I think it would do go well. And obviously it's all about consistency with Darius. He's, he was a stud at Western Michigan. I remember being so damn excited that they drafted him because of his return ability and his playmaking ability. And, and you better believe the coaching staff loves that about him, but can he stay healthy and can he be consistent uh, and not have any of the mental breakdowns? I think that's a, uh, an important or mental mistakes. I shouldn't say mental breakdowns, but mental, mental mistakes out there on the field. I think that's a, a uh, very important question that hopefully he can answer over the next few weeks. A lot of guys to watch at that cornerback position as we get closer and closer to Friday's scrimmage, where hopefully we'll get our first taste of some answers. Until then, tomorrow, instead of a practice, the Bengals are off, and so we will do a mailbag in the middle of the week instead of at the weekend. And James and I are still discussing plans to get you some bonus content after that scrimmage on Friday, so stay tuned for what will bring you 
for that little special event of this offseason. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.